You are listening to the How to Talk to Girls podcast with me, Trip Kramer. I recently spoke to one of my coaching clients who got more phone numbers, dates, and women in bed in the last month than he had in the past two years. How did he pull it off? Well, it wasn't because he suddenly developed a sick game that gets women hot and bothered the second he says hi. He didn't win the lottery, start taking steroids to get an amazing shape, or magically grow to be six foot three overnight. The truth is, he had all the tools he needed to get these results. All he had to do was adopt the core philosophy of my program, TED. TED stands for Tension, Entertainment, and Dominance. This is all you need to consistently attract, seduce, and date gorgeous and amazing women. To learn more, just go to coachedbytrip.com. Click the green button to apply for a free strategy session and pick a time when you're free. On that call, you'll speak to one of our highly trained experts who will help you develop a game plan specific to your situation in order to reach your dating goals without having to change who you are or fake your personality. Now, back to the podcast. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the How to Talk to Girls podcast. I'm your host, Trip Kramer from tripadvice.com. On today's episode, we have an interview with a therapist. Her name is Sadia, and she is based in London. And I wanted to talk with her originally about red flags. So I wanted to discuss some of the red flags that we need to find in women to make sure that we're with a great woman. And I'm sorry that sorry to disappoint you, but on this episode, we are not actually going into that. Instead, we actually started on a tangent and then it took up the entire time where we ended up talking about the differences between men and women. And I've been talking about that concept quite a bit here on the podcast because I believe that One, you need to understand that there are differences. And when you understand the differences, you're going to know how to deal and handle with situations better when you are trying to attract a woman or keep a woman. I also think it's just good information to know all around. We have to understand how we are different, what empowers us as men, what empowers women to be women. And then we talk about on this episode why these differences are powerful. So this is not about we're different and men are better or women are better. It's nothing about that at all. It's just more about understanding how two people of the same yet different species can come together and make the best type of relationship or even just the best dating relationship. Either way, the differences are something to be acknowledged, but even more importantly, something to actually celebrate because it works. And that's what we dive into today. And that's what we're going to be talking about. So why don't we just hop right into it? I'm really excited for you to listen to this episode. Honestly, one of my favorite interviews I've done in a long time. So here's my interview with Sadia. All right, we are here with Sadia, the therapist. Hi. How long have you been a therapist for? I started actually as a psychology teacher for many years. So I've been teaching psychology in schools and colleges for over 10 years. And then just during lockdown, I decided to kind of convert my qualifications into therapy. So I've been doing that for a couple of years. But then only about a year ago, I started making content online that was therapy-based advice. So it's kind of like dating advice, but it's far more psychologically informed. And I started doing that online about a year ago. And then from there, it's just kind of taken off from there, to be honest. Interesting. Yeah. So I've definitely seen some therapists, male and female, who are on TikTok, Instagram, all over. And I think it's cool that some therapists have decided to become content creators. Yeah. Do you know what it is? Um, I think from watching a lot of uh, information on TikTok, as a therapist, you're watching it and you're thinking, this is fantastic for teaching people game. Like people are learning exactly how to get laid and how to get women and how to get that uh, power and, you know, really get their masculinity back. But it's not necessarily going to lead to long lasting, uh, deeper connections. And as a therapist, you kind of want to 
tap into that market and absolutely have game, but that has to then translate into a long lasting relationship if you want genuine happiness. If you want an ego boost, absolutely. But if you want genuine kind of connection, it takes a little bit more. Okay. So let's, well, let's talk about that for a second. What pieces of advice have you heard that would go against having a long, happy relationship? The number one piece of advice that I think is completely counterproductive to a long lasting relationship is the whole playing it cool. And, you know, it's not about playing it cool. It's about being cool. Playing it cool is like mirroring. If she takes long to text, you take long to text back. If she wants to go to the club, you go to the club. If she's adding girls, like like adding guys, you're like it. All of this kind of protest behavior, behaving like uh, like you're in a chess game. But in the reality is to have a long lasting relationship, you have to communicate your actual standards. So if you're playing games, you're going to attract a woman that also plays games and you're both going to be speaking the same toxic language. And eventually it's going to wear down. Whereas if you effectively communicate your standards and your standards happen to be high value, that's more effective in creating a long lasting relationship. So I would say the whole playing lots of games, it might work in the short term, but in the long run, you're both going to wear each other down. Okay. So what would be a standard that as an example? So what I would say is like, say, for example, you don't want to express too much interest early on, or you don't want to give her too many compliments, or you want to take a couple of days to reply to be cool. And I get that it definitely creates desire, but it doesn't create connection. And so as a therapist, you're looking at that and thinking that will create desire and intrigue. But what you're doing is you're going to be attracting toxic women because toxic women who have got lots of issues like men that are unstable and don't give them security because that's what they're used to. But stable, long lasting women with standards and boundaries will immediately be turned off by that behavior. So you're actually ending up with a small pool of women. Interesting. But Mm. Some of those things help a man not appear so eager and needy. Uh And then that actually helps him even attract the woman at all. Yeah. I.e. like doing too many compliments, showing too much interest, texting a lot, trying to meet up with them a lot. It's really hard to give advice that strikes the exact perfect balance. Yeah. So so sometimes it's easier to give the advice to to just say, hey, let's lay off some of those yeah. things. Yeah, and I completely understand why men tell each other that because there's nothing more unattractive from a woman's perspective than a man who is really needy and clingy and right. all those things. Um, yes. But there, there is, women are completely skilled at telling the difference between a man who genuinely hasn't got time and energy to be texting and calling and one that's playing it cool. And the one that's genuinely not, haven't got time to be texting and calling is the one we're attracted to. But the one you know is playing the game is the one that you then play games back with. And we, this is something men don't realize. We have a radar for the difference and we know the difference and it's unconscious. It's totally unconscious, but we know. So the best advice to give a man is be a busy man. Yes. Be a man, be a man who's yes. at the gym, who wakes up early, goes for a run, goes to the gym, then works on a side hustle. Goes. I know it's really difficult. I'm saying this, but it takes a lot of energy to be a busy man. I personally couldn't do it. I couldn't be a man if you paid me because it's so much effort. It's so much effort. You go to work, have a circle of friends, have to really kind of fill your hours up. And then by default, you end up being the guy that doesn't have time to text all the time, doesn't have time to give all millions of compliments. And by def- by becoming that a man, you become a man that actually a byproduct is you have game, mm-hmm. but by being a man that doesn't have it, hasn't fulfilled his potential, you have to fake it till you make it. And women know the difference, unfortunately. I hear you. And mm. I agree with you. I agree. Mm. You, it is definitely much better to be the guy who is actually busy, who is actually high value 
instead yeah, of and who isn't phased by beautiful women all the time like you know he sees yes. a beautiful woman he lets her know she's beautiful reminds her she thinks she's beautiful but her beauty is not going to let, allow her to get away with nonsense with him and that's you have to become that man because uh, a lot of men when they aren't are used to it they allow a woman's looks to lead to disrespect they take a lot more and we as women know that beauty is power and we know it's a privilege but there's nothing more attractive and there's nothing that will make us submit more than when you meet a man who recognizes your beauty but isn't phased by it yes. and that's a really hard skill to teach it's almost a skill you have to experience and it's well, so yeah, hard I mean, because it's, not everybody can experience it it's so difficult i hate saying it because it's almost saying it like it's so easy but it's the most difficult thing in the world to be this kind of man well, the teaching leads to the experience, right? Yeah. It's like you you can you can learn it mm-hmm. and all the dating advice you want, but then you have to implement it and put it into practice. Absolutely. You have to date a lot of attractive women to not be so swayed by her looks and treating her oh. and putting her on a pedestal. So you don't put up with some of those things. What is it like when meeting attractive women when you were younger or for the first time? What is it like for a man? Does it kind of numb them a bit? Do they get a little bit like they let them get away with a lot more? Does that happen? Yeah. I mean, if you don't have a lot of experience with women who are super attractive, what ends up happening is that lack of experience translates to then being so excited by oh. having this opportunity to be with someone who's oh. attractive. And, and because you don't have all that experience, you almost are in this scarce mindset. Oh. And I've said this before is men are by default in scarcity and women oh. are by default in abundance in terms of oh. their availability to the opposite sex. Oh. So because of that scarcity, someone who's just entering like, Oh, okay. I'm, 17 or 16 or whatever, even 30 or 40. And just for the first time experiencing what it's like to get maybe attention or even a conversation with someone who's attractive because of that scarce mindset, you end up screwing it up because they're so high in a pedestal. And so that, that, yeah, that becomes where you you just, you treat them like a queen and they can get away with so much. And this is what can lead to a lot of disastrous relationships. And one thing that men have to really realize is how you feel around a beautiful woman is how beautiful women feel around uh, successful men or men that don't, you know, that actually have fulfilled their potential. When we meet a man who's fulfilled his potential, as in he takes care of his appearance, he works hard, um, he's busy, he's got friendship circle, his mind is occupied, we are just as intimidated by that type of man as you are by a a beautiful, you know, Instagram girl. Because we see that man as, oh my God, I wouldn't be his be-all and end-all. He's got so much going on in his life. Wow. Like, okay, I need to come correct. And it's the exact same thing. We have the exact same level of intimidation by those men as men do with beautiful women. You just got to remember that. Whereas we really remember that our beauty will intimidate you. So we work on that. Men don't always remember that their value and their success intimidates us in the same way. And they don't, they forget that. Also, and because they focus a lot on how they communicate with us, but really, when you meet a man who's a CEO or successful or you know doing really well, he doesn't even have to talk. We're already attracted because he is the prize, not how he talks to us and not the game he spits. And yeah. it's similarly with beautiful women; she doesn't actually have to say a lot. She will just be who she is is enough to intimidate, and it works both ways, but just in different dimensions. Yeah, no, you're totally spot on. And that guy is scarce too, by the way. Absolutely. And they they are... There's not um, a lot of like super high value men. No, but you know what? It's not as difficult as it sounds. All high value means from a woman's perspective is a man fulfilling his potential, mind, body, and soul fulfilling his potential. It doesn't mean he has to be the richest guy in the world or he has to be the most handsome man in the world. He's doing his absolute best. That's what we, yes. we are attracted to. Yes, and he can't. And he, he can't be. A, he can't be a starving artist. Yeah, well, yeah, he can't be a starving artist. But then I would argue, is that him doing his best? Because Ooh, say, yeah, good point. Because what I would say is, say for example, he's 
uh, you know, he's an, an Uber driver. This is no disrespect, but say if he is an Uber driver and there's a cap of how much he can earn, I would argue, babe, are you doing your best in life? Is this your best? I don't think it is. I'm sure you've got other skills or avenues or use your connections, take out a loan, invest, do your best because this isn't your best. I'm sure everybody can tap into their best. And that's uh, what high value essentially means. You're, if you're not that educated, you're not that skilled, your best might be you take up double shifts, three shifts of Uber driving, but you're doing your best. And that's attractive. It won't necessarily get you the top range women, but you will definitely get respect from your woman, whoever she is. Well said. Well said. Okay. (laughs) I want to, that's awesome. And I want to kind of dive back into something we said a little bit earlier because I'm curious. Okay. So you're a therapist, you work with men and women. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. You said something earlier about you feel that men have it really hard. Okay. So I'm curious if you had to say, who has it harder, men or women, based on, of course, your personal experiences being a female, yeah. but also the fact that you talk to men and women on their deepest, uh, darkest situations. Uh, I, I don't uh, situations. even have to think about it. It's men by a mile. Really? You truly arena, believe that? By In every arena of life, they have it harder. Yeah. So, because, tell me why. Because we can become damsels in distress. We have that get out jail free card where I can tomorrow be unemployed and there will be a man in my life at some point that will say, okay, you know what, Salvia, come on then, let me just, let me, I'll look after you. Whether that's my dad, my brother, or my partner, somebody will save me. And majority of women, and they don't have to be beautiful. I'm just saying they just have to, they can experience that. And one thing you'll find as a woman, the more of a damsel in distress you are, the more men actually want to look after you. They do more for you. A man can absolutely hate his job, hate his appearance, have terrible relationships with his family, and not one person, no one's coming. No. No one's saving him. Nobody. And it's, it's all it's up to him. Yeah, because one thing I've noticed is for me personally, if I'm forcing myself out of bed in the morning to go to work, I'll just say, I don't like this job. I'm quitting. And then I think there's men out there who work, who have that experience all day, every day, up until they're 70 years old and think if they don't go to work, kids don't eat. And there's women that experience that too. But the pressure on a man is completely different, completely yeah. different. So I would say on a financial level, I wouldn't trade places with a man ever. In terms of like family issues as well, it's just like with women, we when we go through something, we talk to a million people about it. We'll talk to our hairdressers, we'll talk to our friends, our family, any problem we have, we dissolve it through communication. With men, they absolve it, they internalize it until one day they have a breakdown. But it's internal, internal, internal. That I couldn't do if someone paid me. Like I couldn't hold that in. And just in general, I just think like uh, there's so much pressure on them. There's so much pressure on them to be, um, you know, be something uh, spectacular, especially in this day and age. There's pressure on them to be spectacular. Whereas for women, all you have to do really is stay on top of your weight cook, learn to cook really well. I know this is probably going to sound terribly, but really, if you really want a, a man to be with you, cook really well, keep on top of your body and be presentable and just learn not to be promiscuous. Don't be too promiscuous and you can get it. And these are all reachable targets. Yeah. But telling a man you have to be a CEO to get this girl or you have to work this many hours to pay these bills. It's, I, I, I personally couldn't do it. Yeah, because you just said earlier that an Uber driver wasn't enough. Well, he, he is enough for some women, but he won't be enough for the woman that he probably dreams of. His he'll pool, be, he'll his be pool of, ava- of availability is going to be smaller. Absolutely. And it will be a woman that he will just get by with, but it won't be a woman that he would be excited about. Unfortunately, yeah. maybe I could be completely wrong, but to get that woman that you probably had pictures of on your wall, unfortunately, it doesn't work like that. Right. Right. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's interesting too, because a lot of, a lot of women, modern women, Western women would hear what you're saying a second ago 
They wouldn't oh. like that too much. I, I but, could care less. <laughs> you know, I'm, I know <laughs> I could care less um, because I, I'm from British. I'm born and raised in London, um, but I'm ethnically from Pakistan and I'm Muslim. And um, these are values and traits that I haven't lost in my experience. And, you know, I come from a different culture. And when you come from two different cultures and you live in one society, what it does is it helps you detach from both. You end up staying detached from both and you actually just pick what actually works. And what I've learned in my experience is what actually works is having awareness of that your gender is your superpower. And by negating it, you're losing access to your natural, uh, your core abilities. So I don't agree with the idea that men and women have to be exactly the same. I think we should try and learn each other's needs and meet them rather than pretending we have the same needs. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, listen, I think that the stats will show it for itself. I mean, it yeah. just will show what actually works and what doesn't work. It's like we don't even have to sit here and try to convince men or women. If you just look at the statistics of who's getting together and who's happy oh. based on their goals and what they want, you're going to see. What, what is it like for you? I, I mean, you're American, I'm guessing. Do you guys believe in more equality or do you agree with gender roles? What do you, what do you kind of feel about that? What I've been seeing is less and less over the years. It's more and more about what's well, interesting. I want to say it's been more and more about equality, but that word somehow isn't translating to, to what it really means. Like oh. we talk about equality, but then we talk about gender roles. To me, those things are separate. But for some reason, oh. there's so much in the same conversation. You yeah. know, it's like feminism basically means baseline that men and women are, are equal or should have oh. equal opportunity. But then it goes deeper than that into, okay, well, what works to get a man man attracted? What works to get a woman attracted? And now, because of all the new opportunities that women do have, they are taking those opportunities. They're more in the workforce. Mm. And they're focusing on marriage and meeting men so much later in life. And now more and more of those women are becoming single. Yeah. for a lot and, longer uh, and, and not and is, not accomplishing those goals. And the thing is, no matter what, for both men and women, humans in general, no matter how good every arena of your life is going, your romantic connections are the biggest predictor of your overall satisfaction of life. So delaying right. that or ruining that for the sake of your employers who yep. will not even come to your funeral, can I just add? They will not come to you. They don't care about nope. you. And yet you're prioritizing them over the one person that is actually responsible for your happiness, which is your partner. And, yeah. It's, and it's, it's, yeah, it's relationships. Yeah, it's relationships, your connections, yeah. your connections with people, women especially, um, they value connections. And you'll get to a certain age as a woman, like in your late 30s and, you know, so on and so forth, where the only question people ask you is how are your kids and how's your partner? Then no one cares about what you're doing work-wise or job, or like a career, like where you're traveling to. And so at a certain age, 40, 50, whatever it is, that's the only question you're going to be asked. So that's shows you what your end goal is going to be and if you keep trying to negate that and dilute that uh, you're doing your future self a disservice and I, I mean this for men and women I don't mean this just for women I think men are also a little bit deluded into thinking they don't need relationships and they don't need marriages and stuff but I promise you it's a huge predictor of your mental health in the future I wish it wasn't the case I wish we could be independent but we're not designed to be yeah no 100% have you heard about this 80 year study that's no. the 80-year study in happiness. No, tell me. Okay, so there, I'm, I'm actually very excited. I'm going to be interviewing someone who actually worked on this study. One of the longest studies, I always screw this up because I never know if it's the longest study ever or just the longest study like done on it. Would on, be, it, on, it, would be, it sounds like I, it. I've not heard of anything as long as that. 80 years, would there be researchers that were still alive, like saw it through or was it... Different um, I, think it, I think it just keeps yeah. on getting handed down. Yeah. So I'm going to be interviewing someone who's part of it here. I'll oh. just read this to you. The Harvard right. study of adult development is the longest scientific study of happiness ever conducted. Radical for its time in 1938, the first of its kind study that boasts JF, JFK as a participant is now in its 84th year going strong with an 84% retention rate. Wow. Okay. So people stayed in it. People Amazing. stayed in it. Wow. Yep. In this book, The Good Life, Dr. Scholes, who's part of this study, 
Mm-hmm. teaches you how to proactively create happiness for yourself by focusing not on what makes you sick, but what keeps you healthy, your relationships. Mm-hmm. So oh, what they wow. basically found is that relationships, yeah, all relationships, not just your sexual yeah. relationships or your yeah. partner or romance, yeah. but your friendships, parents, siblings, mm-hmm. everybody, the relationships you have in your life have the most effect on happiness. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, everything up until you find your connections with people is just passing time, whether it's work, whether it's traveling. I obviously I'm a fan of all of those things. I'm not saying they're not, but they're a pastime. Your purpose is connections. And I mean that from both men and women, there's so many benefits for a man settling down and getting married. And, you know, one of the things that kind of irks me a little bit about social media is they'll teach men that you don't need to settle down. You've got this, pool of women and so on and so forth but the power that comes from having one woman that is your baseline woman and you no longer you can finally take yourself out of that marketplace of finding women and working on game it allows you to just focus on your career and focus on you and it gives you such a deeper purpose whereas when you are dating unfortunately you'll find yourself hours scrolling on Instagram, hours like fighting with a girl that you're not even going to see in a couple of months. You're just wasting that masculine energy. Men are purpose-driven and dating and multiple women that you don't care about, and they have no purpose in the long run. They should just be for sex and that's it. But when you don't know which purpose they hold, you end up wasting energy on them. So having one woman, similarly with women, having one man, it stabilizes them in so many areas of their life. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and I've also found too, and I'm, I'm never one to preach about whether you should get married or should not, or just want to be single. I kind of don't care what people want to do, yeah. but it is interesting. I found a lot of guys when they just want to kind of hook up and, mm-hmm. and do that for a while, mm-hmm. it becomes quite lonely. And you've, you've succeeded in the area of maybe sleeping with the amount of women that you wanted to or the type of woman you wanted to. And that pleasure, or I will say, I guess this fake fulfillment goes away pretty fast. It go, you know what it is? Pleasure comes at the expense of peace. And what you need in order to excel at life is a level of peace. So when you're pleasure seeking, you can't be at peace. With men, particularly, while they are chasing women and doing all of that uh, one night stands, they don't have friends that they can talk to all day, every day. And they don't have that stable go-to kind of connection. So whereas a, a woman does give give you that sense of stability and predictability. So they need it more than anybody. I feel like men actually do need it more than they realize. Of course. Interesting. Of course, women are difficult. Of course, it comes with its flaws. But men, they are good with a purpose. And when you are with a woman, she gives you a little bit of purpose. And when you're not with one, it's a lonely place for men. It's really lonely. No one asks them about their day. No one cares if they're upset. No one cares if they've eaten. So when you have a woman, if you have a good woman, especially, main thing is having a good woman, it does uh, does a lot for a man. Yeah. I'm curious... Mm -hmm. What do you think about the idea of women being purpose-driven and how does that all come together? Especially when they're young and they've got energy, they can really convince themselves their purpose is their career and their purpose is making money and being successful. As they age, their body starts telling them a different story and they literally will start realizing that all of what they've been doing has been a huge distraction and they're yearning a procreation. They actually yearn child, husband, even though it's draining and so on and so forth. But they learn late that that's their purpose and they find it difficult to accept that that's their purpose. And when you don't accept that having good marriages or relationships is your purpose, you don't work on the traits that you need to cultivate a good marriage. Whereas, you know, if you want to be a CEO, you have to wake up early, you have to make emails, you have to do all the admin. If you know that's your purpose, you'll do all of the things. If you forget your purpose is to find a good connection in your life, you'll forget to work on the things that you need to secure a good man. And they don't work on those things. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Let me ask you this. Are you going to have kids? God willing. Yeah, that's the plan. Inshallah. Okay. So let's say you have a boy and you have a Mm -hmm. girl. Yeah. Will you teach them the same things or will you teach them anything different based on 
one being girl, one being boy. They're completely different species. Tell it me more. No, yeah, it would make no sense to teach them the same thing. It's like teaching a, a cat how to swim and a fish how to like meow and purr. They're, they're different species. I wouldn't teach them the same thing. I would teach them basic morals the same and like their moral compass should be exactly the same. But how they want to succeed at life would be different. How a man wants to succeed at life is being purpose driven, being ambitious, being goal orientated, being disciplined is really important for a man. For a woman to succeed at life being nurturing being softer being empathetic is really good for a woman she's learning how to empathize with the needs of others this is a really important skill for women because at one point they're going to become mothers and for men and women to be parents the man needs to be purpose-driven get shit done go work provide the woman needs to understand the needs of the kids and the people around her so they need to have different skills in order for them to be compatible but they wouldn't need to be identical in any way. They, they lose the dependency. And dependency is not a bad thing. You need some level of dependency for that connection to work. Like right now, we're having a conversation. I'm depending on you because you've got all this experience and you ask the right questions. And you're depending on me because I do therapy. The codependency is what makes this conversation work. But if we both are exactly the same, it would be boring. It wouldn't, we wouldn't need each other. So codependency is seen as an ugly thing, but it's actually a beautiful thing. Interesting. That's a very interesting take on it too. Cause that's a very, <laughs> that word has a very negative connotation to oh, it. It's a swear word. It's seen as a swear word. Like you're yep. sick to be codependent, but there's, uh, uh, we're designed to be codependent. You take a baby, a newborn baby, and if it's not dependent on its parents, it dies. We're human nature to be dependent on one another. It's not a flex to not need anybody. It's actually a bit sad. Like you should want to rely on each other. We're, we're communal. I like the way you said that, that there's this flex that, 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 that you don't need anybody. And that comes, that comes from, I mean, that that's, that's big in America. I feel like in America, it's, it's a, it's a big flex to be strong and independent, whether male, whether female, just like that's, and, and I get it on some level, like, okay, yeah. yeah, you don't want to necessarily rely on anyone else. You do become a more efficient human to be able to yeah. survive and do the things you need to do on your own. Mm-hmm. But, but there is something somewhat beautiful about that codependent kind of synergistic relationship. Absolutely. And what research actually finds, and they they do this even with children, when you find somebody, whether that's parents, siblings, friends, or a partner that you can depend on and rely on, it makes you more independent. So for example, if I'm seeing a man and I can rely on him when it comes to, you know, I need something to eat, I need to go somewhere. If I'm sick, he looks after me. What I, I When I call him, he picks up. What that does is then I go into the world more independent. I don't need to call him every five minutes and like see where he is or I don't need to be clingy because he's set the base for me. So actually in order to get independent, you need somebody to depend on. Uh, uh, on a psychological level similarly if you have parents that you can really depend on and rely on it makes you comfortably independent in the real world where you trust people and you have this beautiful relationship with other people whereas if you have unreliable hostile parents you 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 find the real world experiences you get anxious you're, you're always a bit nervous about being in the real world so codependency actually stimulates independence i like that i like that <laughs> i want to dive even deeper into these differences between men and women and, and mm-hmm. you know, based off of kind of what we're saying here of this, this nice codependent relationship, where do you think the biggest differences lie? And, and a second kind of sub question to that is why are we finding that that is such a big fight? Differences between men and women. Yeah. In the modern world. Yep. No, I mean, no, I, I, well, all the above. All the above. So psychologically, the biggest difference is women actually require dependence and men, once they find somebody, they actually like someone, they like to feel needed. So men don't actually like to be dependent. It's not actually their masculine energy to be dependent on a woman, but having her being dependent on them, making them feel needed, gives them strength 
It actually gives them purpose. So when they meet a girl who actually does rely on them a bit, it actually gives them motivation and stuff. So women like a man that they can depend on, a man like a woman that needs them. It gives them that ego boost. Their ego is everything that gives them that boost. So psychologically speaking, that's the biggest difference. But in terms of modern life, I think the biggest difference is women see it as humiliating to love and adore and look after their partner whereas men are starting to see it as a flex i use that word because there's no other kind of word when they can look after a woman and they've got her you know sorted and she's happy and she's settled and i think that's breeding a really unjust world for dating how so there are men out there that are working hard to become successful and rich so they can get that really like sexy woman that they've dreamt of or this, that and the other. But there aren't the same amount of women that are thinking, let me learn how to cook or let me learn how to give a nice massage or let me learn how to nurture my man. They're not being taught that. So it's almost, almost stepping away from their feminine, yeah, uh, from feminine qualities, which is exactly absolutely. what men are attracted to. Yeah. So you're getting men to become more masculine and be more successful and high value, but you're leaving them, you're creating a pool of women who will bring nothing to the table and it's going to lead to empty connections. Yeah. 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 That's interesting. That's what what's happening. What's happening in, in, in where you're in the UK, right? You're in London. Yeah, same thing. You know what it is? Uh, uh, globalization. Yeah, what's going on media. there? Same same thing, sadly. You know, with uh, social media, TikTok, Instagram, the globalization of social media means that every culture is slowly getting to that whole independent, self-sufficient, I don't need a man. And also, uh, to be fair, equally, that red pill culture, that's also spreading. So it's that division. What I find in TikTok, which I find quite interesting, when I give relationship advice that is designed to create connection, so I'm, I'm like, yeah. how to love your partner, how to resolve arguments, it will get very few views. But when I say something very divisive men versus women it will get four million views or two million views and it's like people are hungry to divide from one another and it's a shame because that's not the society we should be aiming for but unfortunately it's what they want to see do you find that as well do you find that when you're more divisive you get more views oh 100 percent. you know the title of this podcast episode (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it is what it is. I, I mean, I don't make the rules, but it's just what I've observed. And so, you know, but, but I, I like, I like real quick, sorry to interrupt. Yeah, I, I really I'm like sorry. what you said here, though. So, I, I, the title of this episode is going to be something along the lines of the difference between women and men. Yeah. But, but what I like that you're saying is kind of like, let's, let's look at the differences. Let's accept the differences. Mm-hmm. Let's almost put those differences on a pedestal and say, it's amazing that women can be like this and men can be like this beautiful. And then Mm -hmm. let's put those together and say, wow, how awesome is it? These differences and how great that can make a relationship together. Yeah. Instead of like shaming, instead of shaming. Why why do we have to say like, Oh, women are so emotional. Oh, they're so, yeah, they're emotional. Men are so logical. Isn't it beautiful that two people can come with completely different perspectives and look at the same thing and learn from each other? Why is that an insult? That you know, I, I am a woman, so obviously my emotions do take over, and you know, my partner's going to be more logical. So if we're both looking at a business plan, he might be like, "Okay, this is how we cut corners, and this is if we pay less on this end." But I'll say, "No, no, that's not fair because they need this." And together, how beautiful of a company <laughs> could we create? If, you know, if, if all these CEOs and billionaires had a female brain with them alongside with their logical brain, we wouldn't have Amazon workers that are protesting or we wouldn't have like, you know, sweatshops and stuff. Well, I'm not saying we wouldn't have them, but I'm just saying that potentially could go down. So that synergy, like you call it, is a beautiful thing. I don't know why we use it as insults to each other. It's like saying, hi, yeah. you've got black hair, you've got white hair. Like, why is it? It's something we're born with. It's natural. It's a beautiful thing. It's designed so that we can be compatible it's not really i don't understand why it's a war these days yeah i don't know well because i don't think a lot of uh, modern women and, and people in the west want to accept those differences yeah i wonder why what, i wonder what, i, I what don't do you know think it is? i'm not sure i don't know yeah. i don't know where it's evolved from i mean there's so many there's so many different theories but uh, that i can't explain because I, I don't know them myself that mm-hmm. well um, and I don't so know I'm not really sure. It, it's just interesting. 
Yeah, it's to me, it's interesting where we got this idea that men have it so great in life, like, and why they have it so good and we want to be like them. I couldn't think of anything worse than being a man. Like, even when we talk about being unsafe <laughs> at night, I'm saying this as a woman and, you know, obviously unsafe at night is a thing, but I used to worry about my brother in, like, in London and in the US, I guess it's even worse, but if someone's going to get shot or stabbed, it's going to be a man. It's not going to be me. I can sit on any bus or any, you know, I can wait. I'll get wolf whistles and I'll get that kind of issue but I don't really feel like someone's going to stab me to steal something from me and I don't feel like someone's going to shoot me by accident I I feel like that wouldn't happen to me but I worry about that happening to young boys and so there's I don't understand where the privilege is from being a man if I get stopped by the police genuinely I'm like leave it to me give me five minutes I'll charm my way out of them and I've done it I shouldn't brag about this, but countless amount of times. If I was a man and if I was a man of color, I would be shivering in that situation. So I don't understand where the privilege actually lies. I I think both are privileged and disadvantaged in different ways. Yeah. And that's the smokescreen there is that Mm. there is a patriarchy and that we as men have so much. But uh, as I learn and I, as I continue to have conversations with, with you and, and other experts and, and just learn about, learn about this, it, it doesn't seem to be the case. It's just different it just privileges and disadvantages. It's not that one is more than the others. It's just different. Do you feel like you have a privilege as a man? Like, do you feel like you're privileged or do you find it pretty equal? Um, I feel on the race side, I feel yeah. at times that I might. Yeah, it, it, it feels like that. Is real. But then, what I always say to feminists is, when I see white women saying that they're a feminist and they want equal rights as men, I ask them, "Do you want equal rights as men, or do you want equal rights as white men? Because do you want to be treated like a black man? Do you really want to be treated like it's not easy being a black man and black Muslim man? Exactly. I'm saying this. You know, my my name is Muslim, and I, I get a little bit whenever I land in America, I always get asked, "Where have you been?" and so on and so forth. I can't imagine what must go through when you're a black Muslim man going into an airport. So when these white English women talk about they want equal rights with men, I always ask, do you want equal rights with men or white men? Because I promise you, you don't want to be in the equal position of a brown or a black man in any position. Like I promise you, whether that's work, whether that's the airport, whether that's court, you don't want to be in their place. So I always do ask them that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And then to go back to your thought on, have I ever felt privileged because I was a man? I, I, I can't think. No, <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know but where I would have ever thought of that. Yeah, you can't think of okay, examples of like, yeah, oh, every, nope. all, every day. Not on my end. No, not not yeah, not no. personally. No, because I feel privileged all the time as a woman. Like I feel privileged every time. Like I know if there's, you know, a man behind the counter and I need an extra this, that, and the other, I don't have, you know, the change for this. It's no problem. It's not a problem. If, I, if I'm carrying something heavy, it's no problem. I, you know, little things like that on a day-to-day, I'm privileged. I know, like, if something goes wrong, if I get a flat tire in the middle of the road, it'll take no time for someone to stop and help me. So I feel the female privilege on a day-to-day basis. It might be for other reasons other than just being a woman, but I just feel like I don't know if gender is really what causes privilege. There's so many other factors to it. It's appearance, it's age, it's race. There's so many other factors. I don't know why we home in gender. Yeah, no, and I I hear you loud and clear on that. Uh, the, you're right. There is definitely a difference in privilege, in feeling privilege, privilege, and I know that as a man, we by default have to create value, and we mm-hmm. have to do a lot of work to get to the place that we want to be. And we don't have handouts and gimmies. A lot of women, especially modern women and feminists, think that we do, and we absolutely don't. Uh, mm. Men are extremely depressed. The suicide rate in men is significantly higher than women. We mm. are in charge of doing more dangerous jobs. Uh, more of us diet jobs. In fact, men experience 10 times more workplace fatalities than women. Mm. And that is an actual statistic. And, and that's probably being generous. Like I would imagine. Yeah. I, 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 I would imagine too. I would yeah. imagine too. If you take globally. And, yeah. I would imagine that's generous. Yeah. And, and listen, I don't want to sit here and also play victim and say, Oh, uh-huh. feel, feel bad for men and all that stuff. I am just more about the reality of what is going on. 
And can I ask you, do you feel like because of feminism is created red pill culture, do you feel like that's been a trigger or is it, is it just on a separate entity? What do you think has triggered the red pill movement? I, I think that that's a big part of it. Yeah, 100%. Mm-hmm. And I think that any big movement on any topic mm-hmm. or any part of the world is going to have something that's going to have an effect to bring in mm-hmm. the opposition. I think right. it's always going to be that way. I mean, I think that's how markets work. I think that's how business works. Yeah. You know, whenever there's one thing, there's another thing. It's like, mm-hmm. you can even go into looking at health and diet. You know, at one point fat was bad. Now fat's amazing. It's just like mm-hmm. yeah. this almost like the world is trying to balance itself out. So yeah, I think that's where it probably stemmed from. That's just my opinion. Yeah. Um, I know you said to me earlier though, you feel like, the red pill is, is bad or you don't agree with I it all. Like I'm curious which parts uh, you don't think are, yeah, that you don't yeah, agree with. Yeah, I feel with. like it's the equivalent to feminism. And the reason I say this is when you sit with a woman that tells you men are trash and men are like this, men are like that, immediately, unconsciously, you're thinking men haven't chosen you. Men don't treat you right because there's something in you. They haven't chosen you. You speak to a woman who has been treated like a princess, immediately you level up with that woman. When you meet a woman who's clearly been treated well by men, you button your top button and you come correct with that woman. But when your woman tells you, oh, men are trash, men only want sex, men this, men that, you think this girl, no guy has fixed up to be with her. That's why she's had this experience. And you don't fix up to be with her. Now, when you meet the man, male equivalent of that, where he's saying women are trash, women are this, women are that, immediately what goes through my mind as a woman is women don't respect you. Why? Because there are men out there that a woman has never, wouldn't do these things with. She wouldn't step out of line because they run a tight ship. And similarly, there's women out there that men can't run games around because she runs a tight ship. So when you, even if that's been your experience, what I would say is don't bring that into dating because it immediately signals to the opposite sex that other people have disrespected you. Other people haven't seen value in you. Other people have treated you badly. So why? And they're looking for the why. And don't stimulate that curiosity in a woman because she'll find it. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. so here's, here's my thoughts. Yeah. First of all, we, t- we seem to agree on a lot here. Mm-hmm. I do believe in what red pill is about and what it's mm-hmm. saying yeah. But it's the culture that I don't sign up with. Absolutely. So I think that you don't like the culture surrounded yeah. by it. And the culture from a very brief overlook on the internet is yeah. definitely hate towards women, yeah. dislike towards the opposite sex because of the differences that we're saying here. Yeah. And it's that culture that I don't, I don't assign myself to. Yeah. Or else I wouldn't be a dating coach for men, helping men trying to get women <laughs> if I didn't like women. Yeah. So I think that that culture, and um, it's not the... It's, uh, yeah. The culture that- things are different, just like feminism. Feminists and what feminists should stand for, uh, feminism should, doesn't stand for anything terrible, but the culture of feminism is hostile and negative. Yes. And I think that's what Red Pill has done because essentially what it stands for is not tolerating nonsense that women come out with and setting boundaries with them and maintaining your masculinity, but it comes across like, I hate women. And you've got to find that balance as a man. And it's difficult. It is difficult to do. What what is it like in the Red Pill community? What is their general grievance? Well, their grievance is is that female nature is is hostile in itself. That they're always looking for the bigger, better deal. That Mm -hmm. they will cheat more on men. That they have more they have more power in the court system when you're going through a divorce that marriage with a woman, 80% of women are the ones that initiate divorce. I mean, all all these stats and it pisses them off and listen, I get it. I hear those things and it pisses me off too. However, I, what pisses me off even more is victim mentality. It's like, I don't like taking these stats and going, woe is me. I hate that. It's like, that is my pet peeve. So it's like, okay, we can look at these things. We can go, wow, that sucks. Well, that's a harsh reality. And I get it. We're going to have an emotional reaction to it. But I'd rather take that information and use it to my advantage rather than sob. 
Yeah, and I, I completely understand that. But you know what it is? There's men out there that go jail, commit murders and, you know, sell drugs and, you know, they're no value or whatever it is. But the way I see it is I'll never meet that type of man because I've got boundaries and I've got standards now. What I would say, hopefully, by understanding the red flags in women, those type of women would never come into existence. And if you just become more knowledgeable about the red flags in women and you become better at setting boundaries as a man, you will never encounter these types of women. I will never encounter the certain type of men. There's certain type of men that won't be in my world because I don't allow them access into my world. And as a result, I've never needed to say men are trash or men are this, men are that, even though there are millions of men that are trash, but that's not my problem because I don't allow it. And I think if we teach people how to set boundaries and what red flags to look at, by default, they'll never experience it. And that will actually take them out of the red pill community and place them in a, in a state of being able to select better. Yeah. No, I, I like that. The thing is, for me, I, I kind of like I said earlier, I, I'm not here to necessarily convince any of these hardcore red people who like hate women or mm-hmm. people in the MGTOW community, which stands for men going their own way, who have said yeah. no to women altogether. It's like, I don't even care. Like, mm-hmm. I care about the people who already know what they want and and are need help going after it. Yeah, so that's those are the people that I I, I don't really want to sit here and maybe I might maybe this might change in the future with my content, but I yeah. I don't really care to convince anyone in one direction or the other. I just want to help people get to point B. Yeah. And point B for everybody should be healthy connections, whether that's with family, friends, whatever, healthy connections and that that we can actually genuinely steer people in the direction of through therapy essentially through I was going to say said like, said like a true <laughs> therapist he's not like my brother yeah, yeah it's just understanding red flags because no one teaches you this stuff and no yeah. one teaches you what to look out for but you can always predict somebody's behavior within the first date and you can know if they're going to be difficult if they're going to be uh, wholesome and uh, you don't need to run as many games if you just ask the right questions and yeah. identify the red flags early I like it and it's mm-hmm. funny because what you're saying here could segue into what our original topic was going to be, yes. but we are out of time. So, um, no but worries. I'll tell you what, it was, it was great talking to you and yeah. great talking to not just someone who has an opinion, but uh, an expert opinion because you know, you are a therapist and studied yeah. this and teach it. So it's very refreshing to have that conversation with you. And I would definitely like to have you on again in the future yeah, to we go can to our original advice. topic. Yeah, we'll do the red flags next time. We've set the tone that we're not trying to pit men and women against each other, but we do want people to have a good connection and that's where the red flags will come in and it's actually really helpful to know. Exactly. So, Sadia, where can men or anyone listening find you, follow you? You tell us where we'll Um, put the information in the show notes. Thank you. You can go on to Instagram and TikTok. It's Savia, S-A-D-I-A, Psychology. And you'll find all my links there. And there'll be some YouTube links to some podcasts as well. And you can also DM if you need any one-to-one sessions. Cool. All right. Thank you, Sadia. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for your time. I appreciate it. And uh, we'll talk again soon. God, this is brilliant. Thank you. Thanks. Bye.